boys will be able to look me straight in the eye one more time and say, Are we having fun or what? Hey, you! Huh? What's your name? Skank! You don't feel that? I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. <laughs> I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. Well, boy, your mama must be damn proud of you. <laughs> Hell, that thing get in here. Gentlemen! Killer of killers. Nice outfit. I'm not sure about his face, though. I just want him. Well, you can have him. Well. I see you have made your decision. Now let's see you enforce it. Oh, this is already boring the shit out of me. Kill him! cinema nine pod thanks for tuning in and joining us if you're listening on the podcast we're appreciating your loyalty and your dedication to the show always a pleasure to have you aboard cinema nine pod at protonmail.com i'm joined by my fellow host uh you can see eric branstrom if you're live is dressed up as eric draven uh the crow himself the fucking candle uh if you can't see this on the podcast but it's quite a sight trust dude, me dude dude by the way call me draven from now on that's my new name bro call me draven eric that's done call me draven dude that's so draven, draven. that's so <laughs> draven i'm yeah that's great okay cool and uh travis roy's here with us travis roy how you doing buddy welcome into the show thanks for uh making the effort on getting the link out we really if anybody could email the show and help us because we're idiots i'm sure <laughs> i am sure there is a way that you can share a link to a live stream at least 24 hours before you go live, and we're just morons. So if anybody knows anything about that, please send us an email, cinema9pod at protonmail.com, or uh, DM us on Twitter or Instagram, because 
I'm sure that's a thing. Because I set up this studio three days ago, as I was telling Eric earlier. So it was already created, but I just couldn't find like a live link to share. So help us if you can. Travis, how are you? I, I'm doing I'm doing mostly good. I'm doing mostly good. Um the, the <laughs> What are you well, most good, Winona Ryder? Most good. I said most mostly. Mo- I'm mostly good. I've I I have i have been exposed to a little little COVID action. So I'm 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 quarantining the school. One of the schools that I teach at has been uh it's got there's there it's it's running through there. So um so that's partly why my computer wasn't working. I've been zooming all day long because I'm I'm zooming like everything, all the teaching that I'm doing right now. I feel fine. Don't don't worry. You look scared. I I'm, I feel fine. Uh, I I should be um, just fine. But I am. But but since there are people that I've been in contact with that have it, I'm you know I'm playing it safe and staying indoors this weekend. Holy shit. Uh, okay. Well. Uh. So you're. Are you not going to be going back to work or? that's what i'm saying i'm i'm working online now for the like the next yeah for the foreseeable future yeah yeah okay all right well so someone got covid at the school or yeah yeah you know which is bound to happen i guess it's it's it was bound to happen Uh, you know i'm I'm not terribly worried i've been a a absolute monster about you know the mask and the washing of the hands and and everything yeah I'm, i'm i've been pretty pretty strict about all that stuff they call me mr mask up roy so they call me mr mask up roy that's a great name okay yeah i know i know you're a penchant for um germophobia so that's good that's smart and wise and i'm impressed eric branchroom you're also a teacher have you been exposed to covid are you okay People have been getting it at my school, but they have to quarantine. Like, we are just still going back to the physical location. Like, it's not a big fucking deal, which uh, is yeah, frightening. Idiocy. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like idiocy. Yeah, yeah that's dumb. I feel yeah. better about my school <laughs> now. <laughs> I feel much better about my bosses right now. That's However, great. With that. yeah, I mean, you work with younger kids. Supposedly, younger kids are, I mean, I guess we still don't know. Who fucking knows? Yeah, who oh, really God, knows? Uh, fired by at any rate. I'm really sorry. Uh, I hope the COVID doesn't strike. I hope you uh, stay safe, Travis. Uh, Eric Branstrom, I think you've really outdone yourself with this look. What did that take? Five minutes to create that look for yourself here as uh, Eric Draven, the crow? It took this Sharpie, and I hope to hell, like that, I'm going to be able to get this off before tomorrow Oh, my God. So this fucking guy right here, since we were kids, Eric Rubberface could just take magic marker and draw on his face and just wash it off like it was nothing. I don't know what's going on with your pores. Maybe they're not as tight as they used to be. It might it might seep in a little further. You might wake up looking like uh, looking yeah, like yeah. A, looking like a mime, but we'll see. Fuck me, a fucking sharpie on your face, a permanent sharpie. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the only kind. Wow, so that is permanent sharpie you would see on Eric Branson's face if you could see this live. For those of you that are seeing that live, that's going to be a tough one to get out. I'm calling it right now. Uh, we're going to talk about the crow on today's show. That's the focus of our Does It Hold Up? Uh, and then, of course, we'll do other things that we do. We have an email. Uh, I thought that we would maybe kind of get into that if you guys are so inclined. What I'm inclined. I'm very He's inclined. inclined. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. It's from our dear friend, Chris. Chris says, what's up, fellas? Excellent work the last few weeks. The RoboCop pod was hilarious. Wait, I want to stop for a second. Uh, I want to give a shout out first to uh, Darren Schaefer, who was the listener's choice selection last week. He mm-hmm. also tweeted at us and said, a great show. Loved it. Thought it was hilarious. And he enjoys the pod. So thank Later, you, Darren. Darren. We thank appreciate you, Darren. your loyalty. And uh, uh, yeah, what else can I say? Hopefully we can 
live up to the standards of that uh, Robocop episode. Anywho, back to Chris's email. So I've been revisiting Kevin Smith movies this past week. Uh-oh. I watched Chasing Amy for the first time since the early 2000s. Loved this movie when it came out and had the VHS back in high school. Also had a serious crush on Joey Lauren Adams, who didn't <laughs> grow up in the 90s. I mean, that still stands to this day. Well, I don't know about that. But uh, after rewatching the other day, I realized this movie simply does not hold up. What Uh-oh. a ridiculous concept for a movie that would never fly today. Yeah. Holden, played by Ben Affleck, is just a creep. <laughs> Curious to know what other films from the 90s, 2000s have premises that simply would not fly today in our current culture. American Beauty and Kicking and Screaming come to mind for the fantasizing and courting of underage girls. Thanks, Duders. Chris. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Definitely appreciate you writing in again. Uh, first movie that comes to mind for me for that would be Leon, the professional. Obviously, that would work very, very differently now, as it should. As much as I loved that movie back in the day, I haven't watched it in a long time. Uh, and even then, I was like, as a kid, because I was like the same age as, as you guys, the same age as Natalie Portman. So like, I'm like, this is this is weird. Like, this is just kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, I'm going to leap kind of quickly to Chasing Amy's Defense, not to say that it holds up exactly. Because yes. I watched it recently too, and it's it's cringy. But um, one of the weird things about I think when it comes to like cultural progress and representation, which you know I don't know how uh, much I have to say on that subject, but from what I, it makes me think of, like say the Birdcage, which I love the Birdcage, but there's a lot of people that find the Birdcage problematic now, and rightfully so. Not just that you have a, a straight man playing a gay man, but like there's some stereotyping going on and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, that movie blew doors open for for gay couples, and in the in the minds of a lot of people that thought like Gene Hackman's character kind of did, um, people that lived in suburbia that just simply didn't know any openly gay people and just loved that movie to death. And I think that the same thing could be said of, of Chasing Amy, that while it's clunky and awkward now, I think that it did move a conversation forward at the time. And I agree, Holden sucks. Um, but I think that I think that it sparked some conversations at the time that probably were much needed. And, and uh, in terms of representation, like it kind of sucks that that's what we had, I guess, uh, in terms of like bisexual and, and, and LGBT uh, representation. But um, but it is, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> okay uh i was just thinking of something else sorry that's why i laughed that was actually a very well thought out response uh i do love chasing amy i think anybody who knows that i used to um maybe it'll always be that way because of nostalgia and i'm willing to admit that honestly i i just have a I have a soft spot for the old film it was sure i thought it was funny oh hey there's darren schaefer's live here look at that he popped in hell Hello, yeah darren. hey thanks <laughs> darren right. El- is that Elmo with the that nuclear background? Yeah. Something. Nuclear Holocaust Elmo. Okay, interesting. Haven't haven't seen the nuclear Holocaust Elmo edition. Uh, but uh, Chasing Amy is great. Maybe it's not great anymore. Maybe I need to watch it again and find out if it does hold up. And I also think of another fucking Natalie Portman performance when I think of problematic <laughs> films, like you mentioned with The Professional, and that is Beautiful Girls. This weird-ass yeah. oh, thing going yeah. on yep. with her. And Timothy Hutton. Yeah. Yeah, good movie, but I, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how I'd feel about that one now yeah. either. I, mean, I used to love it back in the day, but yeah, that would I kind of forgot about that aspect yeah. of it. But that seems 
God, that seems so gross and weird now. Why the fuck? The 90s it did. Not I had never seen Beautiful Girls when it came out. It's a 96 film, and I saw it three years ago, and it oh. really stood out to me like, whoa, what is this? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Eric? Anything come to mind? Or do you have comments on Kevin Smith's overall career? Is it trash? I mean, is Chasing Amy a piece of shit? It's probably my favorite Kevin Smith film. It's been like 20 oh. years, so I'm not comfortable making a really a comment on that uh <laughs> that particular film right now because i really don't don't remember that much about it i just remember really enjoying it uh i did watch um <laughs> over the weekend i watched mrs doubtfire like i try i check in with mrs doubtfire like like bi-monthly because it's so goddamn hilarious it's good but, but i gotta tell you it, up until now i i didn't really realize like how fu- <laughs> how fucking terrible like what Danny like did to his uh, children, like in terms of the <laughs> intense amount of therapy they're probably going to have for the rest of their lives. Thanks to this uh, scenario. Like, like it, it occurred to me, like after like the two older kids find out that it's him because they see him like holding his dick and like peeing upright <laughs> on the toilet, that instead of being like taking off the wig and being like, all right, go get your mother. This has got to stop. He like tells them to like be quiet so they could keep it going. That's hugely problematic. Uh, Then at the very end, like even after all that's gone down, like this intensely, horrifically traumatic experience, in my opinion, (laughs) he's still trying to convince the judge that he deserves a chance as far as custody is concerned. Like he's got no case. Uh, So, you know, I don't know if that would fly nowadays. So, you know, other than that, I got a couple other uh, ideas. I love that that movie ends with uh, with them not getting back together, though, and and, and just representing divorce. Plainly, as, as a child of divorce, yeah. always appreciated that about yeah, that. But the, you know, problematic scenario for sure that I don't really see going down these days in that fashion. I haven't watched Mrs. Doubtfire in like 20 years. So, maybe, so funny. Uh, I'm, I'm a child of divorce, too. So maybe I need to find out if this is legit or not. Anyways, I will say this. Going back to Chasing Amy. It is not just cut and dry that, oh, it's ridiculous to think that somebody could turn someone not being gay because mm, sexuality yeah, can yeah. be fluid. And so it's not just like there is the argument about like it's a ridiculous premise yeah, that yeah. someone would flip. But it doesn't mean I mean, she had had sex with men before. So she was obviously you want to call it bisexual, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So she's open to various sexual experiences. So I don't think it's like this man writing a character to say, hey, look at this man do the ultimate fantasy of turning a wet lesbian woman into a straight woman. It wasn't that simple. And I think that that defense deserves to at least be acknowledged when we look at that movie now. But I can see the point. But I think the other point is just as valid. I'll say this. I think that at a time when movies and and still movies just kind of worship the mopey, lovelorn, kind of you should give up, it's getting creepy kind of guy, like that whole kind of trope. Um, it's it's that movie, Chasing Amy, kind of like put that the nice guy to task at a time when it wasn't really being done a lot. If you're paying attention, like if you just watch the movie, and like, oh, I like Holden. He's great. But like most people walked away being like, hey, I think the protagonist sucks. And you're, <laughs> you're supposed to think that, you know, you're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, he gets his, too. I mean, right. It doesn't right. work. Out he learns him. a lesson, but that's all he gets from it. So. Right. Yeah. And the postscript was kind of pointless. So maybe, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, um, absolutely. Oh, hey, uh, Goth Lauren is here. Anybody know Goth Lauren? <laughs> hi, Goth Lauren. I, yes, I yes, I know Goth Lauren well. <laughs> hi, oh, Lauren. Hi. 
In she's fact, here with her yeah. goth opinions. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she's got them too. She would appreciate the fact, like this is my second dalliance in a row in terms of movies that I've picked uh, that have been like me getting in touch with my inner goth. Because like last time I picked a movie, it was Interview with a Vampire. Now I'm doing uh, The Crow. Both both things that I know that goth Lauren would appreciate. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for joining, goth Lauren. Always appreciate to have i appreciate you travis what a look at this isn't this so beautiful look at that. that's nice hey, that, that's great. a good that's a good person right there thank you golf lauren i uh, will say this uh, we're going to talk about the crow of course coming yeah. up next but we got to dive into our quarantine viewing picks and movie theater nightmare experiences or oh, just ridiculously insane movie theater experiences and i have to lead it off with this guys because this is this is insane so uh, <laughs> JW, uh, at the, the Joey Wright on Twitter, W R I G H T. He wrote, My most ridiculous movie theater experience involves The Haunting, 1999's oh, yeah. The Haunting, and the man behind my stepdad getting a little too excited over <laughs> the Zeta Jones, <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. over his back. All over his oh, stepdad's back. Fucking God. Wait, what? Free this... movies and popcorn for a year from AMC and a lifetime of saying, hey, remember when that guy dot, dot, dot? When that stranger came all over your back. Hey, Dad, remember I... that time that stranger came? This is this is a horrible story. <laughs> this I, uh... Anything, anything. Yeah, I, know. I know. I... Some people talk during like pitch black. <laughs> Fuck this. I know. I mean, uh, I don't Who know Joey Wright. This? We're following each other on Twitter. I, he's not even following the show. It was on my personal page, and he just—I mentioned we're doing this bit tonight, and he's—he told—he mentioned this story, and I reminds me of the Kevin Smith movie. Like, well, did the guy come or what? I had to ask the follow-up question, and uh, he says, "Indeed, period." So I did verify. Yeah, that's what happened. So wow. You made you made doubly sure that just in case the dot 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 didn't wasn't clear like this we're talking about semen right oh yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah oh yeah I think uh, that sums it up Darren Schaefer what yeah. the f yeah. <laughs> podcast I mean, podcast took a turn sorry I thought it was gonna be I thought maybe it could have been puke so I wanted to verify but I did insinuate the uh, yeah it's pretty bizarre okay anybody else go ahead uh, I know. <laughs> AMC settling on a court on that one with <laughs> popcorn and movies. Tough. I know it's tough to follow that one. Maybe yeah, I should stay it for the end, but it was just so intense. And somebody shared a story. So I'm pretty sure the only time that I was ever at a uh, movie theater where there was like a bad experience, it was my fault. I think I was the bad experience. You know, like I don't yeah. think I have. I don't really have any. I I've been annoyed at a movie theater before because someone had a phone out. I don't know. I, I didn't really have much to contribute to this to this uh, particular segment. <laughs> Are you <laughs> remembering you high school when you say you were the guy? Is that what? You're yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in real life, it's a, it's, a, it's a grown ass man. I'm very cordial at, at the movie theater. Yeah. I barely I barely clear my throat. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as a kid, I was a dick. But that you know. <laughs> What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, in mean, high school, we were the worst. Our group of friends, I remember especially oh, specifically getting kicked out of the specialists, Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone. <laughs> I was kicked out personally amongst the group. We just were assholes and were constantly yelling at the screen, oh yeah, shower scene, or or just like, oh no, that's not real. Just whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know what it was. It was just absurdities, it was 16-year-old antics and assholishness to the extreme. So that's, oh my god! That stands out. But I also, I also think like 
Nah, it's too dark. I won't even say that. I guess. <laughs> Don't go too dark. We already got comments. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Eric? You got you got a. I'm sure, Eric. You've had a. I mean, we've all had a lot of movie going experiences. Eric, do you have one that stands out that was like, wow, Dude, that was May fifth, two thousand. I went to see uh, Mission Impossible Two, a film I had been anticipating for four straight years because I love the original Brian De Palma film. So before the film, I go to Los Tres Amigos in Howell, Michigan, great Mexican restaurant. Oh yeah, and I I specifically remember holding like that bottle of like green sauce with like the cactus on it, whatever the hell that stuff is. And I'm like, well, this is green, so you know, I'll be good. It's not red, so I poured it like all over these like, shrimp fajitas. And I went into Mission Impossible Two like. The second that it started, like full anticipation, we got Tom Cruise like climbing that mountain with his sunglasses on. It's looking fucking awesome. Like, I get like it's this horrible sensation in my stomach. I, I I almost don't make it into the the movie theater restroom. I come back out like thirty minutes later, pissed off beyond belief that I missed the first chunk of this movie. There's like doves flying around the screen. Like I have no fucking clue what's going on. Tom Cruise is literally like flying <laughs> around like Superman. I'm like, whoa! How, how does he have superhuman powers? I sit down five minutes later. I'm back up again for another, literally another 30 minutes. And I come back out. The movie's over. Dub's flying around. Tom Cruise, like, takes the mask <laughs> off. I miss the entire movie. I'm super mad. I'm sick. All my friends are mad at me. I smell so horribly. It was god awful. But you, you, need, you need to lose that jacket. Your, uh, your mic keeps scratching against your zippers on your, uh, on your coat. Um, <laughs> I, I had a uh, I, I had a flashback to an experience. Speaking of, I, I, I kind of mentioned it last week because uh, it was I think the last time that I watched Crow One was was when I saw Crow Two, and I remember I do remember like everybody I went to high school with um, going to see the movie at the same time at, at, at the Howell Theater, and it was just one of those occasions. Like back in the, like speaking of high school movie theater experiences, just just smoking weed in the bathroom like it was legal. Yeah. Uh, just, just like throwing stuff and yelling at the screen, especially because it sucked. It's just uh, the good old days when, uh, like, uh, when you could show up at an event and like, not, not even plan for thirty of your friends to be there, and there, and there, it would happen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Metallica song. I'm not sure what she was talking about. Goth Lauren was asking about Metallica song. I'm not sure. You guys know Is that part of the Mission Impossible? Or am I missing something here? Am Maybe I, I could be a moron. I don't know. I never saw any of the Mission Impossible. So oh, probably. Yeah, from MI2, she says. That's yeah, right. MI2. I guess Eric didn't remember that one. So uh, I was detained. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, well, you know, sometimes bad things happen at movie theaters. Uh, sometimes people die at movie theaters. Let's hope that never yeah. happens again because yeah. that was like the worst thing I could think of in oh, terms of oh. awful experiences. I, d- I do remember when I saw 12 Years a Slave, which is was easily the best movie that year. Yeah. And I'm sitting next to a woman who, I'll never forget it to this day, had nachos popcorn and like a gigantic mountain dew and uh, i'm watching this movie and it's like the most like like well i mean like she's like literally like enjoying like popcorn yeah, and nachos yeah. during like no, the I most get, horrific I sequence of events i've ever seen in my entire life like a fucking sesame street like <laughs> what the fuck lady <laughs> Like it's a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not popcorn trash. No, definitely not. Yeah, Come on, that was, lady. A, that was, that was not an appetite inducing movie. There's food <laughs> etiquette for specific types of films, isn't there? I think I agree. Yeah. I don't think you should be chowing down while there's like people being whiplashed as slaves. It's just, yeah, I can imagine like the crink. The crinkle of the candy wrapper is like yeah. you're actually watching like 
realistic depictions of the worst events in American history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's mm-hmm. like Jerry making out with his girlfriend at Schindler's List. You just don't do. There you go. Bad form. Not cool. All right. So yeah, you know, if you guys have some awful experiences or just crazy ass experiences that could top. Uh, Joey Wright's story, please send them in. Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com or DM us on one of the social media outlets at Cinema 9 Pod. Uh, no topping that. Oh, Lauren wants to know, though, like, how excited are we for Halloween? And uh, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, and she says, by the way, to maybe put a finer point on it, a scale of one to smashing a mirror while putting makeup on, which is a crow reference, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Halloween, I'm 40 years old. My life sucks. You know, what can I say? I'm very excited to the point that I'm like watching in horror movies and stuff. Uh, and, but like, I'm not decorating this year cause I'm living at my dad's and uh, <laughs> you know, there's COVID. So I'm not, I'm not going to like hand out <laughs> trickers or treaters because I don't want to kill them or have them. Yeah. Isn't everything canceled, right? There won't be any trick or treating. Well, I, I can't imagine people going door to door being a good thing during this time of year. Seems like a horrible idea but then again you are wearing masks i mean it's just like the, if there's ever a time where you're wearing masks it's like now well that was one excuse actually so a friend of ours or a guy we know rich cologne a heartlander is having a halloween party this weekend and he does it every year i guess it's a huge deal and he's always tried Good to deal. get me to go for years uh he puts a lot into it uh like double floor action and uh i'm like you know it just sounds like a super spreader event man i can't even if there are masks and halloween outfits I'm, i don't want to be i'm sorry yeah, i can't doors. do it I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. Sorry. Nothing personal. It's just I don't want to get COVID. So, uh, all right. So that was, uh, yeah, Halloween. I love Dark. Halloween. I do. <laughs> I do. I do love Halloween, Lauren. I just not, I'm not feeling the love this year, but Halloween generally is always, I think, one of our favorite holidays, right, guys? Absolutely. Oh, hands down. Yeah. We've had some great Halloween outfits and parties in the past. Or we had, I mean, I think we mentioned this before on the show, but Eric's legendary uh, efforts as, uh, Lestat. Lestat. Yeah. Yeah. Posted, we posted the pick. Yeah, that was fantastic. So and uh, also he did uh, another he loves Tom Cruise, obviously, because he did collateral. At, collateral that in 2004. It was great. Yeah. I that remember was cool. that one. The white hair and everything that Tom Cruise had. He did that. Oh, yeah, the, the, the gray suit. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, not not that difficult of a but still well done. Uh I always remember our friend Jason Vivian, by the way. He came as uh <laughs> he came as what's it called? He's Ventura, pet detective, but with these <laughs> the scene where he's wearing the tutu and he's trying to go into yep. the nut yeah. house. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was pretty well good. Scene specific <laughs> costume. That was good. It was a yes, it very much was. So that was cool. All right, let's get to our quarantine viewing suggestions. Uh, what do we have to offer? What have we been watching? Uh, you know, gentlemen, there are a lot of great movies out there, and I know people are dying for your recommendations. So, Travis, hit them where it hurts. Well, I've, I've been watching some movies this 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 week. Um, uh, I, I got some classics under my belt, like Outland from 1981 with Sean Connery. I'd never seen that before. I'd never actually seen The Omen before. I watched that last night. I call myself a big uh, John Patrick Shanley fan and a big uh, John Turturro fan, but I'd never seen Five Corners. I watched that a couple nights ago. That was also pretty good. Um, the, my recommendations, I'm going to skip the Nick Cage movie that I watched because it's so I boring. It's, it. unmention- it's unmenshable this time. I'm not even going to go for it. <laughs> oh. um, I've got, I've got three, rec- three actual recommendations this week. One being, um, I really lucked out. There's this um, app. If you like, if you got Roku, there's this app called Halloween Plus, free movies. 
Um, there's a, and it's you know just all the, like a bunch of classics of obscure movies, and every now and then I'll just throw in like the most obscure movie that you can find. Like what what is this shit? I never heard of this. I'll just throw on some obscure ancient horror movie. And that's what I did with this movie called, which is probably not obscure to some people, but it was to me called Horror Express from 1972. I'm like what what is this? I have no idea. Just went in totally blind. And imagine my delight as Peter Cushing and then Christopher Lee and then Telly Savalas all show up in a movie that is based on the same short story. Uh, Who goes there as the thing? So it's wow. It's like the thing on a train. It's with 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 those actors. It was fantastic. It was really good. Really, like it, it took a little bit to get going, but once it got going, it was really fucking good. So I'd recommend that one. Um, I watched the Trial of the Chicago Seven, uh, oh. the new the new Aaron Sorkin film, which yeah. just. You know, Netflix is really killing it on the period pieces this year. I mean, I feel like all the best movies I've seen this year have been period pieces on Netflix. And I I really, really strongly recommend this movie. I thought it was really good. I don't know how exactly 100% accurate it is. I didn't look into that. But it, I do I do know the era pretty well. And, and, and it was nice to, like, be reminded that oh, that, oh, yeah, we've always been at fucking loggerheads and conflict. And um, maybe things are not as bleak as they seem. Uh, and and it's just a great ensemble piece. I mean, the the fucking the the all the actors in this movie are just it's well worth checking Our out. Outcast. That's yeah. so right up my alley. I, oh I my mean, god! I, think, like, I, I thought you were gonna have already. I thought yeah. you were gonna say that you'd watch it. It's so up your alley. I, I, I definitely want to. I just don't believe it or not. I actually don't have Netflix. <laughs> I'm like the only guy in the world who doesn't have Netflix. Yeah. So, but Madness. you know, that was the long ass development process on that film with Steven Spielberg and all that. So I'm glad it finally yeah. got made. I'm very much yeah. looking forward to seeing. It. Yeah, it's really good. And my last recommendation is that I had uh, chipped away at a couple episodes of the second season of The Boys recently, but then uh, got back into it and blew through the, the rest of it. And season two was just really phenomenal. That show, that is just, the social commentary is just razor sharp. I mean, I, I know people, if you're not familiar with it, you might be like, oh, I'm sick of comic book like superheroes. Like this is... It's a step above. It's a it's a step above what's going on out there. It's in in the rest of the genre. It is it is really really smart and really good. Check it out. Yeah, I'm I'm tired of comic book movies, but even I understand it's nothing. But it's not about that at all. So I definitely want to watch it. Definitely interested. All right, Eric Branstrom in Griffith, Indiana. What the hell have you been watching? Don't tell me you watched regarding Tess again. <laughs> I did not watch Guarding Test again. I'll never regarding see test. Again. I did a regarding Henry combo there with w regarding. Yeah, so Shirley McLean gets shot in a, a convenience store. <laughs> Nick Cage is tasked with feeding her Cheez Its and helping her paint pictures of Ritz. Yeah, there you go. Ritz. There you go. Ritz. 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 Yeah, Ritz. Uh, fucking watched uh, Encino Man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love Encino Man. But love it uh, too. I, I was trying to think of myself like. <laughs> Is is Linkovich Chomosky like a, a registered student at this school? Like, how did like they like get him in there, like taking yeah. classes and stuff? No, like, he is. They register him for school. That's how I, re- <laughs> I, uh, I don't see like the logistics of that. But uh, he's Link. I love he's from, He's an exchange student. Somehow Estonia. he just signed up. Estonia, yeah. but like, there's no paperwork. I mean, he's a K man. There's no paperwork. You can't just be like, all right, he he's a kid and uh, he lives with me. Like, let's get him into these classes. Okay, maybe uh, they didn't cover that part. That's true. Also, he's a dethawed man from like hundreds of thousands of years ago. But um, I watched all four of the Final Destination films for some reason. <laughs> uh, I just couldn't turn them off. Like, um, Devin yeah. Sawa. Devin Sawa is. Sawa. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, three was actually kind of. Three was actually pretty good, but the rest were just <laughs> abominable. So, like, I've like, actually seen the original. Scene. I have yeah, seen I, the original. First I mean, one's good. It's all right. Yeah. 
how's it feeling? It like I don't know if it's like, like every five minutes, they like they like cut to like some liquid, like heading towards like a power cord. Yeah, sounds like the omen. <laughs> I took a look at. I went out of town to a beautiful resort on Lake Michigan, and uh, they had free HBO. So I watched uh, Aaron Brockovich. It's been like twenty years. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know. Uh, when's the last time you guys saw this film? When it was new, and, and and as a big fan of both Julia Roberts and yeah. um, Soderbergh, and didn't get the hype then. Like I, 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 I it was at the height of those both their careers, and I loved them both. I just was like, this movie. I don't get why everyone likes this movie. It was definitely a campaign winner. There was a lot of campaigning. Uh, I love Soderbergh. In fact, breaking news: Steven Soderbergh is currently filming his latest movie oh, yeah. in Detroit right, yeah, right now. John Hanson's house. Let me get a Cassie's house. Yeah, uh, you know, he did out of sight back in the day, and now he's back, and he's got uh, word is John Ham's been running around the city of Detroit, been spotted in many places. So just running, just running around like a feral dog. He's literally doing that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Oh yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean that's about it. Like I don't know. Did like Aaron Brockovich set like. Like, like women's on oh, my dog, like, like this character, like, I don't understand, like, like she works hard, but like she relies on her, her body to get what she wants to. And like, um, I mean, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I, What's wrong okay. with that? I, not, not, nothing's wrong with that. I have right, no you problem with the film. You got an issue with that? You sex yeah. You yeah. yeah. What's going on? You're done. Don't You're done. Me. You're done. Don't cancel, <laughs> cancel. Cancel. We're, we're now, uh, this is live, Eric. This is live. Cinema six cut one third saying, out. You know, she could have got, she doesn't have to do that. I mean, I, I, nah, I, by three. I didn't know that. So. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's not overrated movie, possibly. Gotcha. Uh, Albert Finney's good, though. Always good. Always Dude, good. Every single scene Albert Finney's in, he's like about to fucking keel over and die. Aaron Brockovich yeah. could be like, hey, give me those files and give me a raise. And he'll be like, ah, 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 yeah, did, ah, didn't ah. he keel over and die not that long after that? Not on the set, but uh, he looks like he's <laughs> close to death while filming the movie. Oh, come on, guys. Let's not bring up uh, on set death. death. It's not today. Okay. Let's right, talk COVID again. Let's let's yeah. let's. Listen I'd rather talk COVID than on set. Uh, all right. Well, okay, Eric. Well, I think Brockovich to be determined. TBD. Um, I watched something I really wanted to get my hands on, and finally got my hands on it. This, well, actually, two things I really wanted to get my hands on, and I watched the director's cut of RoboCop since we watched we did RoboCop. It would have been yeah. better if I had watched it for the show. Uh, could have brought a lot more to the table, but hey, that's okay. I listened to the whole track with Verhoeven and. Uh, the writers and the producer John Davidson talking about all kinds of fun stuff. Newmeyer and Miner. That's right. Highly enjoyable. Highly enjoyable. Uh, always a good time. Uh, there's a debate about whether there's an actual director's cut that came out in February. It says it did. Uh, this uh, director's cut that came out supposedly in 2011 is a lot. I don't know. It's con- fucking confusing with these director's cuts and what's a remastered like 20th anniversary edition. So who knows? Beats me. But the other one I really wanted to see. And I was curious about was T two. Heard of it? Okay, excellent film. There's like twenty versions out there, like fifty Blu-rays. T <laughs> uh, two Train Spotting. Oh, 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 oh! That's the title. Follow up. They apparently got. They didn't have to get approval to call it T two because Terminator two was never actually called T two. We just gave that moniker to it. So Train Spotting two. Is amazing because it's got the original cast, the four core members all come back 
and they're aged 20 years. You know, it's really um, it's cool that they're able to do it like that. You know, Robert Carlyle's an old man in jail. <laughs> and, uh, the way the original film ends, too, is quite a cliffhanger. <laughs> If you recall, you know, spoiler alert, Train Spotting One came out many years ago. So I think it's okay to say that, you know, Ewan McGregor runs off with the money at the end and then the movie just ends. And so it's got to pick up from there 20 years later and it still turns out to be a sore point. So it's interesting. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was pretty well done. It's Danny Boyle directed. And I like that they were able to kind of bring about some new concepts but some similar concepts to the original it's not all about heroin so much in this film i will say that so but there is heroin involved there is heroin involved though well that's good too i mean it's there better be heroin (laughs) yeah okay good yeah right but that's what i'm saying it's good balance Uh, or as the scottish call it skag so they call it skag um uh, then i watch a dumb movie yeah can i get some skag i can't wait for me to get some skag uh (laughs) I saw that picture of Edward Furlong. Who posted that? Who shared that with me? <laughs> Eric, that was did, horrifying. Yeah, yeah, I, watched, I watched Detroit Rock City, which is uh, actually a movie done by the guy I talked about last week, The Chase. Uh, what's his face? The director. I I Shot in Toronto, not Detroit. I remember that. That's true. Yes. In fact, they're in Cleveland, supposedly trying to get to Detroit Rock City. Anyways, I hate Kiss, so I don't give a fuck about it. And it's not that fun at all. It was bogus. Uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. I hadn't watched that in a long time, and I had many laughs. I enjoyed it. I think Richard Lewis is funny. I always think Richard Lewis is funny, especially Agreed. when he's doing Boku. Boku commercials are legendary. So. Boku? Boku, white great, man. So I'm at a party, and I got my choice of drinks between Coke or Pepsi. Boku? I want the adult juice box. Yeah. Uh, I watched Falling Down. I hadn't watched Falling Down in a long time. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I've been saving it because uh, I feel like it's going to show up on the show. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. That's definitely a a contender. But Joel Schumacher did such a great job with this film. He gets the keys to the Batman kingdom and then he fucks it up. You know, it's just like, boy, you you really had like an edge at this movie. So Joel Schumacher knew what an edge was to be like intense, uh, urban, sprawl scenery. Like he just didn't get he was still going for like wacky 60s Batman. He just didn't he just didn't get it. You know. (laughs) He didn't get it. Come yeah. back, dude. Watch Tigerland. He still has got a little edge in him. Yeah, well, I'm no, not he saying did. he lost it. I'm just saying he. In that, well, yeah, he he just wasn't the right fit for the Batman wow. series, which I believe he came to agree with in, in his in his interviews and stuff. He did. Yes, I believe that is true. Yes, that is correct. And uh, now I watched a movie called Lawless from 2012 with Shia LaBeouf and Tom oh, Hardy. It's so good, yeah. Yeah. John Hillco. So you guys, movie. you loved it. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's supposed to be based on a true story about Prohibition moonshine runners, and I thought it was a, some of it was a little typical, but you know the performances are strong, and the fact that Gary Oldman is not what you think he will be in the film is kind of cool. You think like, oh, this guy, because the first time he shows up on camera, he's he murders someone. That's just the plain truth of the matter. But he doesn't end up being what you think he'll be when he gets caught up in a later scene. So yeah, it, there were some things that were pretty cool about it. I will agree. And then finally, I would like to mention this film that you mentioned. And thank you to Derek last week. We talked John Cusack's trash and we- <laughs> the fucking road to Wellville. The fucking oh, ass movie, man. Here we go. Road to Wellville is it's so poorly marketed back in the day. <laughs> and it's because- so good. I mean, it's just so fucking good. Fucking Hopkins teeth and this voice. 
yeah. the playing this character of a, a Dr. Kellogg, who was a real guy, and the Kellogg's and all the you know, cereal, and it's about the Battle Creek Sanitarium that he run, and and the fact that people, it reminds you, this is around 1900, I think the film's supposed to be, roughly, yeah, like, under the century, and that people have always been looking for cures and, like, trying to get healthier. People think that's, like, a, a 20th century thing. It's not, you know? And I think we forget that, or even maybe I forgot it, and it does a good job of doing that. It, like Bridget Fonda's performance and Matthew Broderick is confused. He's one, you know, he's he's in the sanitarium and he hates it, but like mm. he wants to be better. He doesn't know he's been. Ah, it's just so many goofy ass things yeah. going on. With him. The whole John Cusack like side crazy. issue with the uh, what's his face and they're trying to start Michael, a company. Michael Lerner, yeah, yes, Michael Lerner's this bozo running fucking what's his name like Goodroy or something. It's so stupid. And it's yeah, very, it's, it's a, a very, movie. very sexual movie too, which is like not what you necessarily yes. expect based on everything we're describing. But like, it is an extremely sexual movie. So like, take like all the sex and like, it's an ensemble piece set like at the turn of the century with a like a health craze. It's just like so much weirdness. That <laughs> it's, it's strongly recommend. It's so yeah, it's packed with shit. And Dana Carvey as this like scumbag like runner just rolling it is really ever did and he always just shows up with his face like <laughs> and he's all dirty and killed and shit and it's funny it's funny and it's interesting and wow i just want to strongly recommend it i really do and i'm so glad i finally saw it so that's it okay uh, all right those are our choices our recommendations we appreciate your time and energy let's cut the bullshit let's get into it the crow 1994 does it hold up Suddenly, I heard a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. What are you talking about? You heard me rapping, right? You trespass. And you owe me a fucking new door. I'm looking for something in an engagement ring. Yeah. Gold. You're looking for a coroner. Shit for brains. Oh, shit. Oh, shit on me. Shit on me. Shit on me! Gentlemen, this is your choice, Travis Roy. You chose The Crow because you love this movie, right? I mean, I, I chose this movie because I think it like perfectly encapsulated what I how I see the segment. Does it hold up? I like to take movies as much as possible that I put on a pedestal for one point in my life, which is mostly the '90s and early 2000s, and that I had just sat down. In this case, as I had mentioned before, I, I really I don't believe that I watched it since I saw Crow Two in theaters, which blows my mind because I still like memorized like every beat of this movie. Cause if, I guess for a couple years or so, I really watched the fuck out of this movie. Um, I, I don't think I saw it in theaters, although I do remember hearing about Brandon Lee's death, like be, like while it was still in production. Yes. Um, I do. I do remember that. Um, but yeah, it was one of those that like it, I was listening to the soundtrack before the movie came out, so I was already into like it was one of those things where like and, and as we've already discussed the soundtrack on the show, we're going to discuss it tonight. Um, it's it's one of the best soundtracks of its time, maybe of all time, and uh, it it made me a fan of the movie before I even saw it. 
in a lot of ways. So I was I was very geared up to see it. And then once I saw it, like I immediately absorbed it. Like I had like the fucking Eric Draven like wedding ring. Um, yeah, it's a fucking ninety minute Nine Inch Nails video. As Goth Lauren says, <laughs> I hundred percent agree. One of my notes here is is do I love this movie because it's a voice because it's a uh, a, a, a music video <laughs> and it, and it, and and it's a really good one. It's a good music video. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a great, yeah. Well, Lauren says it's an amazing music video. Yeah, and even Darren Schaefer agrees. Look at that. So, okay, Eric Branstrom, 1994. Well, Do you remember dude, it? I absolutely remember. I missed it in theaters, but uh, I remember first seeing uh, Hot Topic, the movie. I mean, The Crow oh! on, on home video, the Meyer Video Store in Brighton, Michigan. And uh, I watched it nonstop. My older brother Marty was obsessed with it, and like, that's uh, that's that's what I. Some of my finest memories are my brother Marty coming home with just a fucking stack of videos from the Brighton Video Store, all horror. And every single time he'd bring the stack home, I'd dump them out onto the floor, and the crow was one of them. And we fucking <laughs> watch it. And I have a lot of great memories of just like jamming out to the soundtrack, man. The Dead Souls. It, it's the soundtrack speaks for itself um i watched it ad nauseum it was so of its area era i mean it's it's so 90s yeah uh, it's, really it's been like it's been like over 20 years so I, I was happy to take another look it is definitely 90s i had never mm. really watched the whole movie from beginning to end i feel like i've jumped in on parts but like it's just raining and there was music playing and it was like black <laughs> outfits yeah. being worn and that's yeah. really all I recalled of it. So I never sat down and watched the whole thing. And I did that for this show as requested because Travis selected this. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's my new experience to it. But I do remember the soundtrack, obviously, because that's, you know, the period of time we grew up and music was brand new to us and very exciting. So I was like, oh, cool. And so I, I glommed onto that quite well. But I don't. I, I The Brandon Lee thing was the thing I remembered yeah. most about it when I was younger. And that is unfortunate. And. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about that, but it's just a, it's a tragic mishap. You know, a bullet case gets stuck in a gun and he gets blown through him. It's awful. And that's it. I don't, I mean, we're going to talk more. I think we will about his actual performance in the movie. I don't want to get caught up on that whole thing. It's a bummer, but you can't ignore it. We mentioned it. You guys want to add anything to that? I mean, it's, it's the legacy of the movie and 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 the movie is brandon lee's legacy so like there's really just they're absolutely entwined you can't talk about the movie without talking about his death that would be uh disingenuous and unfair to him um i uh i agree that it is a I, i'm excited to talk about the role and his performance in it and and what it could have meant for for the rest of his career but uh but yeah obviously a big tragedy not and also not just for him but for michael massey who played fun boy who uh, yeah. pulled the trigger yeah um you know I, I he passed away in i think 2004 or five or something like that but you know he he up, up towards one of some of the last interviews he did he was still you know talking about how he wasn't over it like there was something that you just can't that you'll never get over and uh and it's just a real shame that that happened but man what a fucking great movie to leave uh I, you know if, if i had to pick between him and having a long and happy life and the rest of us enjoying the crow mm -hmm. obviously i'd pick him having a long and happy life but uh the way that it worked I out I mean, you're gonna go there for a second okay good <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean like but working out as it did like it is a great legacy for uh for any hollywood actor to, to if, if you've got to go in your prime at least and this is something that it hasn't aged i mean it, it feels the 
distinctly nineties, but like it's I think people are, I think people are gonna watch it for a long time. That's one of the cool things about firing it up here in 2020 after it's been so long is when you first it Come on. Hey guys, want to get together and like have our own saying? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you want to like slam shooters and just kind of punch each other in the face? Who would ever do anything like that? (laughs) But when you when you first turn the movie on, it it says Brandon Lee, then the crow. So and this was like a relatively unknown kind of action star. You've got a showdown, Little Tokyo, and Rapid Fire, but no one really knew who this guy was. So to have him come right out the gates, name above the title, just shows you the potential uh, of the the young man. And in a lot of ways, I as much as I appreciate this film, I wish it was never made because this was a guy that had a shitload of potential, does a great job. So uh, we are talking about one of like the most notoriously horrific union standards in terms of like film crews on this one, but. Uh, you know, I'm glad that we have the picture, but uh, a lot of ways I just wish they would have never made the goddamn thing because it's a huge loss. Well said, Eric. Well yeah, said. Well uh, you know, this movie takes place in Detroit, and Devil's Night plays a role. Halloween, <laughs> they're all connected into this. So, Devil's you know, Night. Halloween's part of the theme. We're on the brink of Halloween. Devil's Night is something that has been tried to be removed from the city of Detroit, become yeah. Angel's Night now. And yeah, interestingly enough, in Angel's Night started in 1994 the same year or maybe it was 95 but it was either it was right after the release of this movie it had nothing to do with the release of this movie but but of course like that's that's when they started trying to suppress devil's night and uh i know some people outside of michigan may not be familiar with devil's night and it's collective arson but it is a it is a (laughs) night from like the late 60s early 70s until at least the mid 90s where things burned i mean like they burned (laughs) a lot of territory it was um there was a long stretch in American history where the July, where July Fourth used to be a really destructive holiday, um, in like around like the turn of the century, and then that kind of fizzled out. And then like Devil's Night became that, and now July Fourth is again. So go figure. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, Devil's Night is certainly it's not Detroit specific necessarily, but it's definitely a, a big, big player in Devil's Night. Uh, I think other urban, even your own, uh, your own uh, former. Uh, city, Travis. I think Philadelphia has a Devil's Night. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I know it's always. I know it was always worse than worse than Detroit. But uh, well, yeah, it, yeah whatever it, it generated from. Yeah, Devil's Night worth- greeting cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, one of, kind of one of the weird things for me. Like, it doesn't look oh. anything like Detroit. But in but <laughs> like they mentioned it that it, the, the Motor City, you know, motherfuckers, and then Devil's Night, like, like. Should this have been just a fictional city like like other comic book cities or are you guys glad that this is like a Detroit film? I, I kind of like it, it's, it's supposed to be a Detroit film. I mean, like uh, uh, what's his name? Obar, the guy who um, who wrote, you know, the, the comic book that it's based on. Um, he's from Detroit and there, mm-hmm. you get like these these uh, images, these moments of things that are distinctly Detroit, like even like big chief, like the big chief was like a local band. Like big chief is like a, uh, you okay. can see a big chief ad during one of the, one of the, uh, you know, little <laughs> things like that. Like there are, there is like some distinctly uh, Detroit moments, but it, it was shot in Wilmington, uh, North Carolina. And, yeah. and if anything, it doesn't come across so much as an anti Detroit movie, but there is kind of like a, um, it's not a, it's not a love letter to Detroit either. It's kind of like a, like it's it's a, it's almost like a '70s style like urban danger like the city is a bad place kind of movie in some ways. Yeah, 
uh, Detroit, it could be anywhere. It doesn't seem very authentically Detroit to me at all. No. Personally, but. It looks like Dark City, actually. It looks great, yeah. But it just looks like a, a comic book's idea of a city under siege <laughs> from crime. <laughs> That's how I see it. But uh, anywho, you know, we, we always like to talk about eh, the ratings and how critics look at the film. Yeah, and, uh, you know. This is a film on IMDb. Has everyone noticed it? Have you guys looked it up or care to take? I it looked it up, but I forget. I guessed incorrectly. Eric, do you have a guess, or do you already know it? Uh, I'll guess maybe seven two. Seven two, not bad. It's a seven point six. Oh, with over one hundred sixty thousand right. wow. ratings reported. Jesus. That's a. That's like a, more than I thought it was. I thought it was like a seven, maybe a six eight, and. Yeah. Uh, but this is a widely loved cult movie. I mean, this is oh, this yeah. is like this is a cult classic with a very large audience. So those that like it are gonna fucking love it. Clearly, I don't know shit, Lebowski. So mm. uh, I will tell you that the critics on the thermometer, eighty three percent. That's a very high rating. <laughs> Down, and the audience takes it up to ninety percent. Wow, that's great. Ninety percent. That is better rated than some of the other movies that maybe like critically more well-known that we've done on this show so that's mm -hmm. that's impressive you're right Love that would be what you just said travis with the cult following <laughs> and the fans don't fuck around and that is almost like four hundred thousand ratings on this website alone so but of course we got to hear from the critics and you know critics are going to critique Destin? that's that's what they yeah, do sure. you hear from Destin? Critics going uh, critic. i'm really hoping that uh Destin thompson checked in on this one there's not as many um reviews usually there's like six pages of reviews for hmm. each film but mm -hmm. I am happy to report. Happy to report that Dessa Thompson has spoken. All right. <laughs> Here we go. If he had to die so soon, this movie is the best and most appropriate send-off Lee could have hoped for. And that's it. Dessen coming in with the with the with the yeah. mirroring what I already said, because he's usually on the same page as me. Yeah. <laughs> and this goes back, yeah, this is like over 20 years ago. This review was and Peter Travers said. Lee is sensational in all counts in a final performance that brims over with athleticism and ardor. 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 Hey, you got Ardor, <laughs> kid. I'll tell you that much. Better that's than Odor. Fucking, that's a shitload of Ardor. Take it down a notch. <laughs> Odor. You know what I'm saying? Odor. 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 <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert, uh, rest in power, old Roger. It is a stunning right. work of visual style, the best version of a comic book universe I've yeah. seen. And Brandon yeah. Lee clearly demonstrates in it that he might have become an action star had he lived. Absolutely. Makes a great point. And I mean, like, we, like, I personally have bemoaned the fact that it took uh, Hollywood so long to make uh, superhero movies right. But, but there was a, there was two good superhero movies in the 90s that was Darkman. And the crow. Yep. Well, you know, we don't want to shit not on spawn. Brandon Lee's uh, legacy. Not spawn. <laughs> not spawn. But, uh, there's a couple of negatives. Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly says, uh "Oh, if the, yeah. If the crow is forgettable entertainment, it can stand as an eerie epitaph for an actor who looked like he was on his way to better things. So he's trying to like have his cake and eat it too. There, he's trying to shit on the movie, <laughs> but say, hey, you know." That's pretty left-handed. That would be a, it. Would be a hard time to to uh, critique the movie if you fucking hated it. it when when the the celebrity that in, had just died, it'd be like, "Hey, this movie's trash, y'all!" Like, but, but like, <laughs> I can't say that. So well, I mean, yeah, left-handed comments like that. 
Well, there's a re yeah, that makes sense. And then lastly, just one more, just for uh, you know, Shits for balance. Right. For balance, it's uh, David Anson of Newsweek said it succeeds in bringing Obar's comic book vision to life, but there's little else going on behind the graphic razzle dazzle and the moody ominous soundtrack. Ooh, a moody soundtrack. I like that. That is moody. I'll give you it's that. Moody as fuck. <laughs> it is moody as fuck. Uh, okay, so. Oh yeah, Blade is good too. We got uh, Chad chiming in with, with Blade being a good yeah. '90s or uh, superhero movie. Got to agree with that. But all the best, the first one, or the, the, yeah, the first one. But all the best superhero movies do have a pretty like supernatural dark bent. I thought it was interesting that you chose a film. It's like Halloween. You know, we're in Halloween mm-hmm. mode. But this is like a fuck to me. It was a fucking replay of RoboCop. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> resurrection. It of pairs a so well. That's all I could think of when I like, oh shit. So it's nothing to do with Halloween. We're just doing resurrection month. That's what this is. And it's a different style. You know, he's dead. I mean, it takes place on (laughs) Devil's Night and Halloween, which is very specific. That's true. Um, uh, I mean, I could have done like if I wanted a real Halloween movie, I probably would have gone with Murder Party, uh, which maybe next Halloween we'll do that. But um, you know, I, I thought it was uh, pretty, you know, pretty festive in, in terms of the the holiday season. And like I said, I think it's one that I love that I hadn't seen in forever. So I feel like it. Uh, I feel like it's the right call. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It is. It's just okay. So it's a resurrection, but it's just a little more supernatural. That's all. That's uh, yeah. You know, yeah. this is you know, we had a cyborg being created. It was a lot more mechanical and like okay, you're used parts for a corporation. This is very much more spiritual and supernatural. Right. That was that was tech. This is mystic. Yes, exactly, and that's really the only difference. But and there's revenge, and you know, there's a there's a group of criminals that have to be all taken down. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like all he ha- like he has to like kill every single one of them so that he can have like one moment with his woman, right? Like, or she yeah. takes him, or she takes him to the other side, or whatever. Uh, Shelly, Shelly, what's her name? Shelly Webster. Hey, murder, buddy, man. I don't even fucking know you, man. What the fuck you want, man? Why don't you tell me a story? A man and a woman in law a year ago. <laughs> Motherfucking mom. Listen! I'm sure you'll remember. You killed them. On Halloween. Yeah, yeah, okay. Halloween, yeah. Some do, some bitch, whatever, man. Her name was Shelly. <laughs> you cut her. You raped her. Shelly, yeah. Yeah, I shanked her pink ass and she loved it. <laughs> That's like it's like he's like you can you can you can be with me you just have to kill all these motherfuckers <laughs> and then he does and my favorite part my I think my favorite part of the whole movie is um, like shortly after he figures out that like he can heal and stuff that he you know he cuts his hands and stuff when he goes to go kill Tintin and just throws himself off the roof just for the fucking fun of it just throws himself off the roof and he lands on his back and just starts laughing like i am not gonna die and i'm gonna have a good time doing this (laughs) well that for like the the first act gets kind of a lot of flack because that was the most like jumbled together of the material that they had when uh brandon lee didn't uh couldn't film like i think four scenes that were predominantly the opening but that first chunk is my favorite part like the resurrection itself is like it's not this huge thing it just kind of happens and it's all matter of fact and cool he just climbs out of his graves and gets down to business it's not Uh like this operatic thing just really fucking cool really mike i agree but mike does not go ahead mike 
Okay, so my initial, we're talking first act. Yeah. Getting into yeah. the movie, I was a lot of like, oh, what? This is cheesy. We got, we got like a, a angel statues and like heaven and Christ and hell. Yeah. And it's like some of it was looking pretty fucking uh, tropey and cheesy and lame to me, but it got better. The dialogue, I have to say the dialogue of this movie is fantastic. Uh, the stupid ass joke about Christ walks into an innkeeper with three nails. Love it. Love Funny. it. Awesome. I so had good. a good laugh on that one. Yeah. And then um, I mean, uh, what's his face calls him a he calls him a dust head. And then he's like, <laughs> shit on me, shit on, shit me. on me. John Polito. Yeah. Love that John Polito role. Shit, shit on, on me. me. Like, on I me. have a conspiracy theory that I think the only reason you like this movie is because John Polito's in it. I know you love John Polito. I love John Polito, and this is one of the most Polito of all oh, Polito roles. I mean, it really is. Oh, ups the Polito. Maybe, maybe um, the only more Polito role might be the man who wasn't there, but uh, oh. it's very Politi. Um, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where I was going from there. Go ahead. Well, the dialogue is great. Like, not even the jokes, too. Like, I don't know, just some of the things they say. And, like, it's that actually saved it for me. I, it's oddly enough, I was like, wow, this dialogue is a well written script. So, if it's all, if it comes from the comic books, I don't know how much of the actual lines come from the comics. I don't, I'm plead ignorance on the, that. The, so. Not much of the dialogue comes from the, from the comics. In fact, in fact, it's a, I think it's a big improvement over the graphic novel. Uh, the hmm. graphic novel is pretty vague. Um, it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. I'm not that sure what's going on, but I'll tell you this. There, there was a character that was deleted, um, from, uh, in editing a, a named skull cowboy that, that didn't show up there that, that was supposed to like explain everything that was going on and like explain to him like, Hey, the crow will do this for you. And like, here's why you're coming back. And like, oh, and they cut him out, which was probably one of the best things they could have possibly done for this Absolutely. movie. Cause I really love the visual storytelling of that first act that, yeah. It just trusts you. Just kind of like, right yeah. Just, just pay attention. Like, like even things like with, with like where you get, the, where you learn that the crow has vision that that Eric Draven can see through the crow's eyes. Like, it's not. I mean, I guess it's heavy handed, but I mean, like, it's it's not. It's nothing spelled out for us. Like, you just just pay attention and fucking figure out what's going on. It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it like he, the crow is such like a weird unique anti-hero and i love the way they introduce with it like we said when he falls off the dumpster and cackles he's got nothing to lose he's dead and this is like some of the likes of which we've never seen like as far as like a like a superhero if you even want to call him that is concerned he's just so unusual so i, I mean I, I, I would compare him to ghost rider and spawn in some ways only there was no faustian bargain quite the same way but that's that's the only person i could really compare him to or those people the only ones i would compare him to no shitty peter fonda to show up <laughs> yeah or sam elliott like it, it, they all have that that one dude here's what's going on here's what you got to do they did away with that which i respect they also did away with an asian character that was supposed to be yeah. chasing um the crow you know chasing eric draven trying to steal his powers which brandon lee was like no this is a racist stereotype don't 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 use this character and they just cut him out which is huh. cool well i know that uh i'll say that the fact that they allow you to kind of just go with it and figure it out um is good and i like that part of the first act but the other part that bothered me when i was thinking the cheesiness and this is just a personal thing, I guess. But the fucking kid. It's like, oh God, we gotta have a kid in this adult movie. We got a kid. And like, she's not have... a good actor. Like she's no! just not. No, no, the voiceover is probably the worst part of the whole movie. 
Yes, they, that's what that's it. That's what started the bad tone for me. I'm so glad well, you said that. Yeah. That's well, that, that that goes into Skull Cowboy again. Like the original, the original character. The, I don't know who the actor was, but they filmed Michael it. Barrymore. That fucking weird dude from the Hills Have Eyes. Oh, okay. Well, he was. Yeah. He actually did the. Um, he actually did the voiceover originally. So that, but then they had the actress that came in and that yeah. did Sarah come into it, which is a lot to ask for a kid that age because she's and especially since she's not doing a great job. Uh, anyways, like, but you know, I know we're like, hey, welcome to Cinema Nine, where we regularly bash children <laughs> trying their best. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Six year old. That baby in Baby's Day Out could not fucking act to save. I tell you what, I watched the I, this week. I just happened to watch. Incidentally, I watched the audition tape that Henry Thomas did for ET. Oh God, it's yeah. Unfucking real, dude. And so I also am watching um, the Haunted of Bly Manor, where he was, where he's doing some of the best work of his career. So, like, you know, I guess I can't all be Henry Thomas. <laughs> uh, even our own viewer, Goth Lauren, says that kid sucked. Yeah. I think that's great. Thank you, Lauren, because it's good to have positive reinforcement on these kids in movies. They got, you know, they don't always belong in a film. You don't have to put a goddamn kid in a movie and make me feel things. You could have had it was already shitty enough. What happens to Eric Draven <laughs> and Shelley Webster? It's not like I need some kid to give me investment in an emotional connection. Well, to the I mean, I, I will say this. Like, at first I was like, oh, here we go. This narration is rough. But, like, I did kind of like the fact that we have a kid that's just not, as you would say, Travis, this precocious little asshole that, like, rolls their eyeballs at this true love, but appreciates the power of love and and likes the fact that this vengeful spirit is trying to honor <laughs> his, his fiance. It's just, you know... I dug it. And I like her relationship with Ernie Hudson. These comments are fucking hilarious. It can't rain all the time, says Darren Schaefer. And that is a cheesy ass line. And the, the movie's not really thick with B plots, so it kind of does need something. And I actually really like the scene with her and Darla, um, her mom, where uh, where she her oh, mom, easy. Where she, yeah, when she stops her, it's like over easy, and like uh, like that's actually oh. a pretty decent little. I mean, you kick when you kick morphine overnight and become like uh, a <laughs> totally different person thanks to a couple of well, eggs. I thought and it was just magic powers did that, like yeah. it pulled it out of her veins, and she was just normal. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's what. What is that? Isn't that shit coming out of her veins there? When he morphine never... is bad for you. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, he sucks it out of her out of her. Uh, yeah, he's got this. Right. He, that's what's cool about it. <laughs> that's a cool about his character too, though. It's like. You don't even know the limits of his powers. It's like, well, sure, I cannot be killed, but I also can suck morphine out. You know, maybe I can mix <laughs> mean drink. I don't know. I mean, right. who knows what this guy can do? That smarmy sarcasm, dude. How did you? How did you guys like his band Hangman's Joke? Were they not good? bad. Not bad. Uh, classic '90s standard <laughs> issue. Great. You know, I mean, his guitar solos on the rooftop up yeah, there. You know, like it. on the bell tower. Wow. He's always been my biggest problem with the movie is that scene. Actually, yeah. Ever weird. since I was a kid, I watched it and I'm like. I can buy, I guess, that the landlord had you murdered and still had the place <laughs> fixed up to get a new tenant in there. I guess I can yep. buy that, but ain't no one paying that power bill. <laughs> <laughs> Power's always still on in these dilapidated buildings and movies. Why? <laughs> uh, you know, by the way, uh, the girl who played Sarah, Rochelle Davis, for those of you who are curious, uh, she bailed out according to imdb she took a hiatus resurfaced in 2009 in hell house where she played a detective all grown up yeah. that's oh. got a 4.9 on imdb yeah. just I like in case house. you're wondering i'll see it's a good horror movie so, yeah. oh, shit. A, a different it's a different movie it's just hell house not hell house oh, 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 yeah oh, this oh, is oh, that. <laughs> that's a that's a little different the thrill kill cult right. scene was great though says darren schaefer 
Yes, right. I, I agree. The Thrill Kill cult scene is pretty awesome. I, it's funny, like that. That's I'm not like an industrial fan, um, but there's so many industrial songs from this soundtrack oh, that stand out to me. Like, I mean, like that I still fucking love. And uh, like, I've never listened to a My Death, My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult album, but I've always fucking loved that song. Yeah. After the Flesh, I would agree. Yeah, industrial, dude. yeah. I mean, that's it's bringing me back to uh, City Club in Detroit. I used to get goth out and go there. It was so much fun. Says the Are you only fucking one the kidding me? You did that? The only yeah, one I did do that. I liked it. When did you do that? I, did, I, I got into that in like the, the mid 2000s, like 2005, 2006. Like. Oh, in the 2000s. I'm yeah. like, yeah, not in the 90s. Not in the 90s. Yeah, I was assuming 90s or something. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, let's talk about some of the ancillary characters. Uh, we got a lot of people in this film. We got Ernie Hudson playing Dude. the... Uh, the sweetheart of a... I, I want to mention this. This fucking scenario, this relationship with him and the fucking detective, like, how is oh, this God. guy holding Jesus. power over him? <laughs> like, like the, the captain, he mentions the captain. He comes into the detective's office. You're suspended. <laughs> the captain's got a love letter for you. Like, who are you? You're just a detective. Isn't the captain? Shouldn't there be a scene with the captain where you go there and, like, get this suspension and you get an explanation for why you're actually being suspended? What yeah, the, the, fuck? Lo- the logistics <laughs> of the police force and, like, the police generally in this movie, uh, they don't really add up. But that's okay. This guy's I mean, always up his ass. It's okay. It's not the biggest deal. But like from the first scene, when you know the murder scene happens, this detective's yeah. up Ernie Hudson's ass. Yeah, Pockmarks has got something to say. Yep. Yeah, fucking Edward James almost ripoff is like, hey, I got something to say about this bullshit. And I love how he walks up to the victim who he doesn't even know and says, Who is this sack of shit? Like <laughs> like a, a, a murder victim? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, uh, for the records, Marco Rodriguez plays Torres. Yes, so let's get that on the record. But, you know, um, Ernie Hudson's good. I, I think Ernie Hudson's, like, surprisingly well cast in this film. I thought maybe, why is he in this movie when I first heard yeah. about it? Oh, he's really, he fits right in. The second week in a row, I'm praising Ernie Hudson. We got this layered beat cop who holds together, you know, it could easily just be this lame B story, but... You care about him. You like his choices. You go yeah. along with him. I love like this Jim Gordon Batman thing that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and he could easily not get himself so involved in all this, but he's just yeah. a good cop, a good person that that uh, that takes it upon himself. And I and 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 I, and I, I like that about him. Say, are you some kind of ghost? need you to tell me what happened to us. Well, you took a six-story swan dive out of a window. She, uh, beaten and raped, died at the hospital. Hey, you ask, man. I mean, come on, read the file. Shelly Webster held on for 30 hours in intensive care, and the body finally just gave it up. I saw it, man. I, I couldn't do jack for her. <laughs> and he's like, well, the living can't stop these motherfuckers. Might as well give the dead a chance. So fuck it. He's <laughs> <laughs> going along with the fact like, hey, there's a dead man in my apartment. I guess we'll sit down and have a conversation. It's like, oh, okay. If we can go along with that. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and I got to be honest. I, go ahead. No, go ahead. If we're still on I, reading, I'm going to switch. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to switch too. I was, <laughs> I, I was going to say that, that I like the fact that um, – 
there are not that many villains and the ones that there are are all fairly well developed you get a sense of like each you know they each have their their own name there's top dollar there's t-bird there's skank you know they each have like their like uh like and like they they have like their own kind of personalities fun boys a junkie you know tintin's the knife guy like uh, I, I like that like there's not too many people to confuse us even though we also get like hey don't worry there's still like just like in robocop there's still a scene where all the fucking villain like where a bunch of like random faceless henchmen line up to, to get murdered and mowed down <laughs> don't get that don't worry um but for the most part the villains like are fairly well developed for being fodder for our revenge killer yeah. Let's bring it up now, then. And I couldn't believe it was happening as I saw it unfolding in the, <laughs> in the movie. But it did. And it's 1994, so what should I expect? But the first guy to die... Is the black guy, yeah. Yes. That's, Come on, uh, really? It's, but it's 1994. But the, 1994. Same happens, the same thing happens now, too. I mean, um, it, yeah, it's a shame that it was Tintin first. But he also got some of the most screen time for his death. Uh, he did! He, you get the whole thing with him and Gideon, which is John Polito's character first, uh, yeah. and you get a longer conversation between him than you do. You because it actually ends up being a pretty expository kind of scene because you learn <laughs> a lot about um, like what's motivating. Well, I don't know if you're learning what's motivating Draven. You already know that, but you learn like more about the logistics of how he works, I guess. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're talking equity, yeah, then I guess it kind of works out, I suppose. But <laughs> I think that that just stood out to me, but. I also thought, you know, it's a Kevin Smith movie. We were talking Kevin Smith movies earlier. They reminded me of, uh, you know, the uh, Lawrence Mason who plays Tintin, and he plays uh, that is the second best role. It is him. I, mean, yeah? I, thought, it, I thought it might have been him, speaking of changing names. <laughs> we all want to be white! <laughs> He's so great in that movie. Chasing <laughs> Amy. Uh, yeah. But I had never seen Mike, you know, Michael Wincott to me was a guy oh boy. that I'm very familiar with from uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Now, say what you will about there being no English accent and, you know, Kevin Costner, that's all trash. But there's actually, Alan Rickman's amazing in that movie. And I do like Prince of Thieves because there's other characters. Oh, Even yeah. Wincott's is a scumbag. And what but awesome hair. I mean, just beautiful it's hair. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, what the fuck's going on with him and Bai Ling? Like, yeah. like it's, it's his half sister, isn't it? What, you don't see the resemblance? Yeah, oh, ha, ha, yeah. I, they make that clear. Sit on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, Wincott but he was fantastic. Awesome. Wincott, dude. There are so many movies where the main villain is just like you don't like. He's motivated by evil, and it's so vague, and like you just don't buy it. And you're like, and or and and like in this case, you have Wincott like. Like the, it's over, but Wincott, like or top dollar, I guess, chases the, the Draven on and like and like and like brings on his own death and all this stuff. But like, I buy it, and 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 I don't and I don't know that's necessarily like the dialogue. It's mostly Wincott's performance. Like I buy that this guy's just a fucking creepy dude who's like obsessed with death. Him and his girlfriend slash sister. And they're uh, like they're death cultists in a way. Don't forget like, Tony Todd, you know, doing everything he tells him to do. I mean, like, were it not for Candyman, this might be my favorite Tony Todd performance. Although he's a little underutilized here, I wish he had bit. a little bit more. I wish he had. He's a, a babysitter for what Skank? Hey, sit there and watch him, and he just faces <laughs> he faces up to him, squares up on the table, and that's how he watches him. That's impressive dedication, I will I say. Mean, he does shoot the crow, so like he serves a major function in the movie. But I, I do feel like he's a little underutilized for as cool as the character is. 
Yeah, but Wincott was a guy that I just hadn't seen in many movies. I know he's had a long career, so I guess I've just not been watching his roles. I remembered him in The Doors for some reason, but yeah. uh, he was fucking great, and he is the guy who started Devil's Night. That's something I learned in this movie. I had no idea yeah. that this was the guy who started fucking Devil's Night. Uh -huh. We learned. Well, well, well. Devil's Night is upon us again. So we throw a little party, start a bunch of fires, make a little profit. I like the pretty lies. Problem is, it's all been done before. You see what I'm saying? There's no reason to quit. Wrong. Best reason to quit. Only reason to quit. Man has an idea. The idea attracts others, like-minded. The idea expands. The idea becomes an institution. What was the idea? Yeah, that's what's been bothering me, boys. Because I tell you, when I used to think about the idea itself, it put a big old smile on my face. You see, gentlemen, greed is for amateurs. Disorder, chaos, anarchy. Now that's fun. Yeah, top dollar did it. No, so, like greeting cards. Like what? I'm a, I'm still. I'm, I'll admit it. I'm a little unclear on like what top dollar's like plan is. Like, is like, so he's like, in, in, is he like a property management like vampire? <laughs> where like his whole goal is to like clear buildings so he can like resell them? Or, like, what is going on here? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the details are sketchy on that one. I mean, he's, he, it is a little vague. I mean, he seems to both like enjoy just things burning and and destruction and death but also <laughs> there is some sort of profit margin that he's looking out for Something there's like that some organized crime acts there's other 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 characters that he that he like you know he's some sort of crime lord there's right some, he's got the round table he's got the fucking carl grissom fucking round table do <laughs> like they only wait until devil's night to like even go out there and like be criminals like what what the fuck why not just do this all the time it's like oh it's devil's night so well, it's get devil's out night. there's a bad plane we better we better get started uh, yeah. <laughs> Big fucking deal. Either man, way, cool ass dude. That hair though, that voice. I oh, love that, that fucking guy. hair, man! It's that that hair. He looks like Nelson. Dark haired Nelson. He does look like a darker Nelson. That's true. But <laughs> I will say, he's a great bad guy. But in terms of technical um, movie action scenes, uh, that is okay. a fucking great scene. The the crime table, the mm -hmm. the criminal warlords, all oh, kind yeah. of rounded up, and he shows up. The crow shows up and he's ready to kick ass. They all blow him away. And then he just starts doing his thing. And it's a, a lot of excellent technical action. People, you know, stuntmen and shit doing really great work. And I, I thought it was a I was actually impressed by the scene. And I don't usually feel that way. I was like, wow, this is fucking good action. Well, and, you know, I'm, I, I, I wanted to steer things back to, to Brandon Lee's performance, too, because there are there are things that he's doing like faces that he's making basically during all this that are so compelling like he's just like making these faces also like when he fights Tintin and he gets punched in the face oh, he just like kind of snarls like yeah. he, the, the, like like it, the, it's not just the it's not just the, that he's fighting and that he's like really agile and like a good fighter like there is like this pathos that's going on while he's like like he's acting and uh, fighting better than most oh, I think, action I mean, stars do at the same time. That's that's the big loss for me. I mean, other than the fact that this was a man with a family and everything, but like 
before someone like Brandon Lee comes in here and does this, the big action stars weren't really actors. And that's probably an understatement. Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnie and, and yeah. you know, to a lesser extent, so Stallone, although I, I think he's a good actor. But like Brandon Lee comes in here and he's carrying seriously dramatic scenes in ways that are compelling. And he's doing all these agile, awesome martial arts moves. So just heartbreaking to see yeah. this law. Oh, my God. That, that reminds me. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. That reminds you what? No, please go ahead because I'm gonna. I was gonna go sideways. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was, I was just gonna say that that, that to me was the, my biggest takeaway with this repeat viewing that I don't think I appreciated properly the mm. caliber of acting that he's doing doing yeah. here. Like I had some major like Billy Crudup vibes, not just in the fact that he kind of looks a little bit like him, but that but that like he oh. does that kind of quiet intensity in the same way that Billy Crudup does a lot of times. It's a, like this natural, intense, quiet delivery. I forgot to mention that I watched Bowfinger in our movie suggestions for the first Whoops. time ever. Why? And <laughs> it was terrible. It was fucking awful. Fucking shit. awful movie. Piece of shit. Unwatchable. But Why, Mike? what you just said, Eric, reminded me what Eric Eddie Murphy's character is supposed to be like an action star in that movie. And he's like, Chubby Rain. Chubby Rain. Oh, my God. Chubby Rain. That's the funny part of the movie. He's talking about the fact ah. that all the action stars can't even speak English or they all yeah. have accents. Yeah, so that's what that reminded me of. But Brandon Lee's facial expressions in the scenes where he's at Ernie Hudson's apartment and being very human. I love and it. Actually acting and showing a motive performance that I bought. I thought yeah. it was not overdone. I thought it was honest and genuine. And that's the real tragedy is like, wow, this guy looks like uh, he can tap into something and show uh, a full performance. You know, obviously he's lovelorn and he's lost his love. And that's some may say that's easy to play, maybe easier to I don't play. Know. I'm, think of think of the scene where he gets back to the apartment and he's like experiencing all the pain and stuff. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like just throwing himself around the room like. Uh, and we're getting all these flashbacks. Like I got really emotional watching that scene, not just because it's like a pretty brutal death, which is which is based on an actual case that um, O'Braff, by the way, um, based this story on the fact that his own fiance died in a drunk driving accident. And then um, shortly after that, he read about a, uh, a couple in Detroit that was murdered for like, for like thirty dollar um, engagement ring. Hmm. Um, so it's a really so like so it's easy, I guess, in a way to be like moved by that kind of tragedy. But uh, it also would have been e- it would have been. I could, I mean, like, I think it'd be hard to throw yourself around that room and not make it kind of laughable in a way. And yeah. it could have been kind of a silly looking thing if you didn't have some some chops. And like, he does a really good job at showing and, anguish. Yeah, I mean, in this, 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 it's a sharp script, but some of these lines, if you can't pull them out, I could. You're going to quote Edgar Allan Poe's like the Raven and not have it just be like, oh, Jesus Christ, come on here. He does it effectively like victims, aren't we all? It's like every line he says sounds really cool. And he does this weird thing, especially in the beginning when he's like uh, confronting Tintin, where like he's still like kind of half in the grave and like putting himself together again. And his voice is kind of going in and out like it's just very layered, textured performance vocally and the way he delivers these lines. Yeah. Um, someone else who is, is, I think, kind of an unsung hero in this movie, and I wish that I'd seen more from him and other stuff. I mean, he's still acting, but David Patrick Kelly Dude. Uh, plays T-Bird, especially that so death good. scene. That T-Bird's death scene is maybe the most fucking moving fuck scene him. in the whole fucking movie. You feel bad for him. He's like you the worst feel- fuck in the whole history of movies. You feel bad. You're and cool. you genuinely feel bad for him, and, and, you've, and you get bad. that he is confused. 
and also understands what's happening to him at the same time. Yeah. And uh, like it's 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 a <laughs> really well done scene. And like um like the it felt how awful goodness is. Like to quote John Milton, that could have been so yeah. cheesy <laughs> and and like watch. and like but but like it actually works. Yeah. Like um, that, 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 that like everything he does in that movie, I think is really good. But that death yeah. scene, especially, is fucking fucking solid gold. Yeah, uh, you know, oddly enough, I I thought it was poorly edited and it bothered me. Really, I'm, I'm just gonna be yeah. I, I mean, oh, we got to have all points yeah. shared here, and I was like, yeah, yeah you know, hey, he's let, okay, you're dead already. Why do we have to relive this? We know you died. I don't even know how the exact details went down. <laughs> we actually yeah, don't see it anyway. Like, we don't we don't see the death. We we see him get thrown out a window. Yeah. You're talking about Draven. We see him get thrown out a window, but the, the actual he was supposed to get shot too, but that was um well, you know, we'll kill him. Mm. Thanks a lot, dude. Yeah, well that's that's why you don't really see that. So like so but but you're saying you, you don't need to see it, and I'm telling you that you that you don't. We see him thrown out the window, but we don't see much more. We see him well, a knife gets thrown at him. I guess that would hurt too. That's but, true. Um the, the being shot well, that was supposed to be the, the killing that's blow. Tin tins, because we know Tin Tin is deadly with a knife. No, that's a knife. He's a knife guy. Right. That's right. Hey, knife guy, throw your knives. You know, you know how hard it is to throw a knife into someone's like skin and pierce. <laughs> Dude, fucking when, challenging. But, but when Lee like deflects, so not, not, not awesome. even when he catches it, but when he just no. deflects that one, it just knocks it away and keeps talking. It's love so it. Fucking cool. So fucking Pretty awesome. cool. I agree. It's cool. It's a cool moment. It's a cool and... movie. I mean, that's what it's supposed yeah. to be. It's a and it's a hot topic kind of movie. It's cool. What what sucks about this movie though? What area is there? Any area oh. like just trash? I mean, anywhere from like besides the child know, actor, the lighting, <laughs> anything. Well, for me, like I, I can dig, and and I absolutely think the flashbacks between them when they were young and in love and happy, you got to have them to have some emotional nuance. But some of them start to look like you know, like Lisa Loeb music video or some from the '90s, like the blue and red lighting and like the like the like the the way they move, the slow mo jilted stuff. Gets a little cheesy for me, but it was almost I mean, done. I thought I'm like, I know they love each other. I don't, I know they're throwing a lot of that in my face. So, like, the honestly, the love story just did not connect with me at all throughout the whole film, even though really? I like a lot of the other things that I've mentioned. It just never was able, it's just like in my face. It's like, I don't, and it, but it wasn't done in a way where I could feel an emotional connection to them and i'm always down for that i mean i mean silver lines playbooks one of my favorite movies so i love love stories even if they're fucked up or in a not typical way well it's it's a um we don't get to see them alive ever so like maybe maybe that's partly why it doesn't connect for you it works for me but, but except through flashbacks that, that's what i'm saying like we don't we don't we don't get like a linear thing we don't get to connect with them linearly like we only get flashbacks with these huge red lights on them and yeah kind of stuff. so like it's it's, it's so it's kind of hard to connect maybe for that reason but again like this is a movie less about connect i mean in a lot of ways this movie's about grief if more than anything else but it's also yeah. just about watching someone kick ass and like that works too yeah. to yeah. a relentlessly aggressively constantly there awesome soundtrack like I'm, it's almost like annoying like <laughs> I, I, like again like why does fun boy have such good taste in music like, why, like, <laughs> like another scene like oh my god like, now we gotta listen to violent, yeah. violent femmes like that's great we're listening to the violent femmes but like that doesn't make sense that's, that's what they'd be listening to here um yeah. i don't want to like these scumbags but again like as far as marketing right but as far i mean like as far as marketing goes it, it did i mean like they, they jammed every song in there and 
and you know, God I'm never damn it. tired of that soundtrack. Dude, what? for me, when the crow is running on the rooftops and Nine Inch Nails is in the background, oh, so cool. it's you get I get goosebumps just thinking about how fucking awesome it still is. I uh, I agree, and also I I like the fact that like, um. What he's doing there is like physically is pretty believable, but at the same time, you get a sense that like this is new to Eric Draven. He couldn't like yeah. it's not like this is the kind of thing he did before was run across yeah. rooftops. You get this in every fucking superhero movie. Yeah, the rooftop running Spider Man. Not even just Spider Man, but like but just about every fucking movie, but especially yeah. Spider Man. When are they gonna have a superhero in the country? You know, why is it always in a city? I mean, I know <laughs> Superman that's super, sometimes. That's Superman. That's Superman. He hangs out the cornfield. That's the only thing I ever got. Why can't a guy like live in a rural town and in like yeah, Lawless? Dude, Imagine dude, Lawless dude. with like a superhero. That'd dude, be watch cool. Walking Tall. He's got like a two by four. He'll fuck you up. He's I think I think tall. the population problem. You know, like I can't believe Brian Koppelman wrote Walking Tall. What a piece of shit. Come on, Koppelman. You're better than that. Anyways, uh. I wanted to know what's your most enjoyable or what's the most gratifying death of any of the criminals that he has to take out? <laughs> Is there one that's like, cause for me, you know, T-Bird getting drove off the fucking pier yeah, in a car exploding. That's fantastic. That's my favorite easily. <laughs> I mean, as far as scenes go, I, 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 like I said, that that is my favorite death scene of them. So, but as far as like, but you asked, what's the most gratifying? I th- yeah, is there one I, you're like finally or? Yeah. I, actually, I think I think Tintin because of the moment where he's like, I shanked her pink ass and she loved it. Because, Ooh, um, that that I, I like to see him get it for that reason. Like, like him and Fun Boy the most because well, I know Skank raped her too. So like, love. Um, I guess like Skank gets off. I mean, Skank gets actually Skank might off the easiest all because. No, I don't think he does because, like, he gets held hostage by fucking Dollar Bill and all these people, and he just he wants to run away from this. So it ends up being like this constant state of paranoia and awfulness for him, and then <laughs> finally up with given mercy by being thrown off the fucking roof. Or- <laughs> oh, but, but how about when he how about when he lands and the officer looks at him, his dead body, and goes, "What the crap? <laughs> <laughs> what the crap? What the crap? Is that what he said? What the crap? Exactly what he says. He goes, "What the That's crap?" Yep. What the crap? Yeah, I didn't know that. I missed that part. Wow. Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> Chad makes a good point about Spider-Man not being able to swing around without tall buildings in the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would ruin spider I'm not saying Spider-Man has to be in the country, Chad. I'm just saying, anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I'll tell you. I'd like to say it's it's top dollar because everyone loves like when the man on top gets finally taken out. Justice is like, like overall justice that trickles down gets taken out by... <sighs> For me, things start to slow down after he kills Skank and like the main group that was there in his apartment yeah. killed off. And well, they like just have to deal with Michael and Scott. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the yeah. farewell with Sarah. I really like yeah. the car scene actually, where where the three of them figure out how to like it's like, like they're each one in a different scene. I actually, I actually like that scene. I agree. I like that. They're like pondering that. Yeah. I have no like problem and Wincott's lamenting that the city's not burning, even though it's now Halloween, which it should have burned the night before. Yeah, that's a little bit that's of a disconnect one thing there. That fuck with me, like yeah. I know the next there. morning they wake up, Ernie Hudson, seven a.m. The news is it Halloween then, right? Are they yeah, saying Halloween then. Night? What happened? Uh, the the first he, he comes back for two nights. He, he's he's first there for he comes back on Devil's Night, and then he's there for the day of Halloween Day, and then he and then ah. Halloween night, and then he is gone. Seems like a simple way to, yeah. It was more complicated than it needed to be. I felt like, so but, hey, how many I can't sequels did this get, Michael? Oh man, <laughs> how many what? How many sequels did this like get? Four sequels, I think. Oh, that's awful. I four seen sequels in a, in a TV show. 
Yeah, I, I, I after the after the Crow City of Angels, I'm like, I, I get that the whole point of the Crow <laughs> is that it is supposed to like bring different people back for revenge, but I just, I just, it's just that that movie shit. I'll, when Iggy Pop is your best yeah. actor in the movie, you've oh! got a real fucking a problem. Problem. Sometimes, but how you know Hollywood doesn't learn this lesson, but sometimes things <laughs> just need to be left where they are. Well, it was like I tell you, Hollywood does. I, if I were to remake this movie and a lot of people scoff at it because it's kind of like a perfect film for what it is, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I would do. I have um um Edward Furlong. Get no, Edward Furlong. <laughs> no, not Edward Furlong, but you know, I have the opening uh, narration. Okay. I'll keep that. And then I, I cut to the grave, but it is uh Shelly's grave that the ham pops out of. I think a lot of people forget, like, it's like, why the fuck didn't the crow bring Shelly back? I think she deserved to be the crow more than Eric. I mean, That's a good Eric point. dies first. Shelly gets absolutely beyond brutalized in the worst possible ways. She lives in like hell for another 30 hours or so. And yet the crow brings back Eric to be uh, vengeful. I think you could do a really kick ass female crow movie, Shelly Webster as the crow. I generally would think that if you're rebooting The Crow, it'd be best to go with a different couple or a different, like a total different scene. But you make a fantastic point. Um, you're right. She definitely gets it worse than him. Uh, there's no real reason for it to have been him other than that it was written and starring and directed by men. Yeah, um, yeah that's a good point. Not bad. Yeah, that's a that's a solid call, Mr. All right, you're uncanceled. Welcome you back. Hey, right, fine, I'm back. Right, I'm back. Right, again. Right. She's very scantily dressed though throughout the entire film. We get like a uh, you're, you're canceled <laughs> again. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, damn it. She's got she's got to be white. So let's not All right, well speaking double, of getting the fuck canceled. out of here, we got to get the fuck out of here. So, you know, I think we've covered this film. Okay. I think all the answers are probably going to be obvious, I guess, because I mean, who wants to be the dick? <laughs> who, uh, just, shit ton of just like when we were talking with the reviewers, right? Yeah, who wants to, yeah, who wants to be those guys? Uh, no, no, it's been long enough now. If the movie sucks, we can say so. Like, it doesn't matter if someone died at this point, but honestly, because half the cast is dead. John Polito's dead, Michael Massey's dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, John Polito um, died, I know yeah, John Polito died a quite a yeah, few years good. ago, unfortunately. That's too um, good, yeah. Well, uh, Travis, go ahead, let, a, let people know where you stand. I think they it, already know it holds up. I, 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 I. <laughs> I, I kind of I wasn't sure that it would, I mean, which is partly why I selected it. You know, I didn't want to just I, I like the idea of like not just being like, yes, I know I'm going to love this movie. Um, and uh, I did still I do still love this movie. I'm glad that I watched it again. It's a good Halloween movie. It's a good action movie. It's a good goth movie. Yeah, it's just a good goddamn movie. <laughs> That's it. Eric Bradshaw. Um, I love The Crow to this day. It absolutely holds up. I mean, you get this pre-CG world. And I, I love back in the day where they had to rely on miniatures to create their world and lighting and all this stuff. It's just looks like it looks fucking worse than Gotham City. It just looks like a place that is fucking dangerous. It's populated with all these really cool supporting characters. Uh, the soundtrack kicks fucking ass, as Barry would say, from High Fidelity. Uh, and you got a great performance by uh, an actor that was gone too soon. Love the crow. Bring it on. I'll watch it again right now. <laughs> wow. Well, he's ready to go. Uh, I mean, there's a few things that are annoying about it, but and you don't have the <sighs> nostalgia like we do. What does your heart tell you, Michael? I think, uh, I think.
think it holds up enough. Uh, it, it's it's All got right. enough going for it where I, I enjoyed it. Right. it. It really it started slow and I was like, oh, geez, this is two nineties and it's not holding up. Yeah. But uh, it's very nice. Turns a corner. Uh, some of the actors really bring you in. Their performances help. And the fact that the story ends up being just like solid and there's not there's there's no real reason to complain too much about this film. It's not I mean, does it if it didn't hold up, it would have to have like other things about. I don't know, maybe about drug use or about, you know, women in other areas that would be like, wow, this movie just cannot get a certified stamp of being held up because it's just too far removed from how we are now. And it's not. So well done. Good choice. Fine film. I'll probably watch it again. I will. It was a, uh, it was an enjoyable film and uh, Excellent. glad that we, glad that we did this film and uh, you know, rest in power, Brandon Lee, your legacy will always live on, you know, uh, Fuck all the other stupid crow movies. <laughs> but I confuse with City of Angels with Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. Every time you say Crow City of Angels, the first thing I think of is I don't want the world to see me. That's exactly <laughs> God, remember that earworm in '98? You couldn't get away from that thing. Yeah, I like the Goo Goo's. <laughs> but I do like oh, no, I do like the Goo Goo Dolls, but that yeah, song yeah. was out of control in '98. Yeah, it was a big a of- fucking hit. A lot of CDs were burned to women with that song on it, and probably still to this day. Who knows? <laughs> All right, no, one, uh, no one's burning CDs. What are you talking about? Well, you're right. Now, now you're right. That's stupid. <laughs> okay, uh, that's our uh, thoughts on The Crow. Did it hold up? Did you think we're out to lunch? Are we put out to pasture? Have we lost our damn minds? Let us know. Cinnamonidepod. Ah. Protonmail.com. Cinnamonidepod. DM us on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can find us. We want to thank all of the viewers. We had some viewers today, and it was real nice. It was great to get the interaction. I mean, we had a ridiculous amount of comments, like 20 comments here. So yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Aaron Schaefer, Goth Lauren, who's Chad. Uh, you guys were all fantastic. Thank you for being a part of the live stream. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, just do what you do on a podcast. You listen, and that's it. You can interact because you're not here with us. All right, Eric Branstrom, you have the floor. It's your movie selection for next week's show. I assume it's going to be some Halloween horror bullshit, so let's just get it over with. Listen, Mike. I'm sorry, but it's fucking October 22nd. Next week, it's going to be a couple days before Halloween. How can I not pull the trigger on this? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, don't fuck around, that, Brown. Yeah, after that, we'll get back to like fucking white people in high schools or whatever the fuck we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going back to that 19- movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we we're going back to 1999. All right. This is a, a cultural phenomenon oh, for no. so many reasons. How it was made. What it did for the horror genre literally oh, reinvigorated a dead genre that hadn't been seen in it. 20, 30 years. I know it what it is. Absolutely deserves I know what it is to too. be re-examined. It's I know time. what it is. A Blair, yeah. Witch Blair Witch Project. Project. Oh, no, I don't know it. Blair Witch Project. All right. Yeah. Blair Witch Project. I thought for sure you were going to say Scream. Maybe that was 98. I was going to originally. Yeah, that was 95, 96. They already did Scream yeah. too. But, but. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, I thought Scream at first, but then this popped in. I'm telling you, we're going to have more Blair to Witch. talk about. I have not seen it since it was new. So I've never it. seen it, but it's been parodied so much. You know the <laughs> you've never seen it on the parody, but wow. you know the parrot. I mean, the par- it's, it was parodied to death, so I know it's a you know. I know. Oh, we got him in a camera in woods, and there's only one spot. Yeah, it's own parrot. It'll be like when I watched. It'll be like when I watched the Omen last night for you, because like I've, I'm like over and over again. I'm like, am I sure I've never seen this? Because I know every <laughs> fucking scene. <I> know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, it was a quite a phenomenon. It was, I agree. This, I mean, this is what does it hold up was made for huge phenomenon. No one really talks about it. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So I'm going to give you, uh, yeah, I'll give you kudos on this. This is actually, that makes first sense. found footage film. Let's check it out next week. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it'll be next week. Folks, we'll do the Blair Witch Project, which will be on October 29th, two days before Halloween. Officially, we'll be back on the air. Uh, you know, generally between 7 and 8 p.m. We'll try to shoot for 7.30 if we can get there. We'll let you know. We'll send posts, social media, cinema9pod, protonmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think. We'll talk to you next week. What a pleasure. That's it. Call, call, bang, fuck, I'm dead. Have a nice night, Darla. Ha, 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 ha.